Welcome back to another edition of the Soccer Specialist Podcast. In fact, it is edition 100. Yes, that is correct. We have been around for 100 episodes. Can, can you believe it? I can't believe it. I actually didn't think we'd be past 10. And yet, here we are. And I just have not been able to come up with something special for you. So I'm just going to talk because I've heard that I talk a lot. I'm not sure that's meant as a compliment, but I'm going to use it to get through episode 100. For those of you that don't know, I'm sure plenty of you are watching it. There's a documentary called Welcome to Wrexham about a soccer club, or as they would say, a football club, obviously, um, in Wales. It was um, bought by Ryan Reynolds and his little buddy, Rob. If you're watching it, you understand what I'm talking about. And obviously, there's a documentary about the experience. And in the, I think it's the first episode. In the first episode, I think Rob talks a lot about his experience as a Philadelphia sports fan, the Philadelphia Eagles fan, and what that was like growing up and what it meant to the family and the city and so forth. And relating that to the situation of Wrexham with the, the club and, and so forth and their fan base. And as a Lifelong diehard Philadelphia sports fan myself, I can tell you I understand exactly what Rob is talking about. I'm sure there'll be some of you out there that disagree and it's your area, but I, I'm telling you there's there's nothing quite like a Philadelphia fan base when it comes to sports. Uh, my dad, who passed away um, almost a year ago, he will be loving this fall. Um Philadelphia Phillies are in the playoffs for the first time since 2011. He had uh, season tickets, not every game. I think it was a Sunday Sunday deal season tickets uh, in 2008, the last time they won the World Series. And then, of course, there are also the Eagles. He was actually sitting on the 50-yard line. He was a season ticket holder that year, what, early 20s, when they won the NFL title in 1960. Against the Green Bay Packers, their first NFL title. If I'm not mistaken, I believe that was Vince Lombardi's only playoff loss as the coach of the Green Bay Packers. Um, so, and of course, the reason I bring that one up too is because now the Eagles are 5 0. They're the only undefeated team in the NFL, and they play the hated, but unfortunately, quite good Dallas Cowboys coming up, which I believe is a Monday night game, if I'm not mistaken. So, yes, my dad would be loving the fall, and he would definitely understand the Wrexham fan base. And also, he was a fixture at my niece's game her entire, how many years she played soccer, or what have you, 12, I think. He's at, I believe, pretty much every game that she played, rain, snow, 90-degree humid weather, you name it, he was there. So what was the point of that? None, really. It just... The whole Wrexham thing, maybe kind of think about that. But anyway, back to soccer just a little bit. Um, there was a game, oh gosh, man, this is like a decade ago now, because I think it were U, maybe U10. I remember uh, one game we played a team that they did not like for a little bit uh, until we moved on and up for a little bit. They were a bit of a, a rivalry because not all that happy with their fan base and behavior on the sideline. We're not all that happy with the players because they had a lot of dirty players. I mean, you know, two foot 
spikes up slides into shins and that whole thing. And uh, playing them one game. I think it might have been the only game or one of the only games uh, my team's ever come off the pitch at halftime and very vocally complaining about things because that's just not who they were. I mean, they didn't, they just went out and played. They didn't complain about parents, players, referees. I mean, they just, they just went out and played soccer, but they were um, not happy that day. Uh, and it was very understandable. They're down two nothing at halftime, went out and um, never seen them angry before. I guess what I'm getting, and they were angry and they went out and they absolutely dominated that second half. Um, the last somewhere in the last 10 minutes of the game, they got two quick goals, made it two, two, um, finally in the last minute or two, I mean, we just we couldn't put the ball in the goal, but we also had, were so relentless and had so much pressure on them. They couldn't get it out of their, uh, defensive third. And it, it just, it became such a battle in that way that, and then not because they bunch up, just because of the situation and know it was the end of the game and the other teams like had to clear it and we knew it was like our last chance to score. So you just get everybody into that third of the pitch battling for uh for that ball. And um finally in the right side at near the end line, one of our girls got hold of it and turns and blasts the ball on the ground, right across the mouth of the goal, right? Like Three or four yards from the goal, you know, just inside the the sixth box and rolling right across goes somehow goes through everybody. No one's on the other side of the pitch at this point. Uh, my niece, who was the um, outside mid on that far side, but of course had crept in as this this was happening. It because it was eight v eight at the time. We're playing three three one. She goes that ball goes by her and she's the lad. She goes chasing it right, so she's running straight towards the touchline on the parent side, okay? And, you know, she, she tracks that ball down in blind. One touch, you know, it doesn't work. She she plants, pivots, fires that ball into the open net because the keeper had drifted over two right there um, at the near post coming on. And right left-footed, by the way, which she is, is not. And um, blasted into the net for 3-2 at the point it was literally – at what we would call the buzzer in another sport, referee didn't even have tip off. Like that was it. That shot was either a goal or it wasn't a goal and the game was over. And I mean, like I said it was a decade ago. I still remember it. I bet if I talked to some of the girls, everything else runs together. That's probably one of those things they would remember. Um, you know, and that that <laughs> that joy, that elation that you experience in a time like that, right? That um, or that fun just from a, a display of skill. Because, look, it's not the beautiful game for nothing, right? I mean, that's why you play for those situations like that. And, and soccer is unlike any other sport like that. And it's those moments that come out of nowhere of just this creative brilliance that make you go like, wow, what just happened? Did I just see that? Did that really happen? You know, it's it's an amazing part of the game where it's just – completely changes everything and, and it may not even have anything to do with a goal being scored, right? That's the other thing too. It could happen in the middle third or it could be uh, um, a move a defender makes with the ball in their own third under pressure just to get out of a little bit of pressure before they um, play a pass safely out of their out of their end, something like that. You know, but 
these um these reasons we play the game these these moments of creative brilliance that, I, that I, you can't have that if you don't have the skill if you don't have the ball control to express that creativity that makes you you as a player um and i want to back up for a second before i get into that a little bit more because this kind of goes with that because we talk a lot about we're critical uh, the adults a lot about the failures of American soccer, right? And so, excuse me, my voice is not what it used to be. Now that I'm not coaching right now, it's not as strong as it used to be. So I started losing and even doing a few minutes of this because I'm not out there at practice and games a few times a week, screaming at my players, building up my vocal cords. Um, but I want you players to understand, the younger players, uh, playing now that this is this criticism like it seems like it but it's not a knock on you as players okay it's a knock on the system that fails to develop you as players and because the talent is there you know i've seen i mean some of you whether it's my own players even or players that i've seen on other teams when I'm out at games or tournaments or, you know, video that I get to see of players that parents share with me, you know, in the Facebook group. Um, you know, some of my own players that I've had, you know, Izzy, Shannon, Allie, Ava, um, Hutch. I shouldn't even have started because I'm, I'm going to forget somebody, Jody. I'm just going to leave it there. Um, and then some of you, um, in you know, in the group that I've gotten to know or, or I've trained in some way, Lena, Janae, Ava Lee, Davin, Eva, um, Baby Gremlin, Aubrey, um, your your passion and, and your skill and your dedication to the sport is amazing. And I, I shouldn't have mentioned names because I know I'm going to get in trouble. But, you know, it's so the, the talent's there. The problem is. We, um, we like the, I mean, it's really people, but I'll call it the system. We, the Amer we don't give you what you need to be the player that you deserve to be, to be the player that you can be, to be the player that can create those moments of brilliance on the pitch. Uh, I was out of some games this past weekend, right? Columbus Day. Big tournament weekend. Um, I got to watch a team I had trained, I don't know, about five five years ago for, for a season or two. Um, so they're eighth graders now. They're, you know, so we're talking about heading into, into high school next year. They've been playing a long time. And it was so frustrating to watch. Um, I mean, even just from the simple act of taking a ball out of the air or off of the bounce. So, and it's not about talent level in this case. For example, if you have a kid who's just not that talented, like not that they can't play, but you know they're they're not going to go on and and play in college. They might, you know, make the high school team, but they're mostly going to ride the bench for four years. But they play for a long time and they work hard. And if they were coached properly, right? If if there's a ball in the air, we're talking about like a a clear, a goal kick, a keeper punt, and it bounces, so it's going to take a big bounce, right? They're at least going to get into the right position, and then it's trying 
with a thigh or their chest, like try and take that ball down. They may not do it well, but they're going to try and do it. And like what I saw today and what I see way, way too often is you see the punt, the ball bounces and what the player steps out of the way and then takes like a wild Taekwondo roundhouse kick at the ball and misses completely. And of course spins around while that ball is now headed back toward their, toward their goal and the other team's racing full speed for it. You know, stuff like that, you know, absolutely uh, terrible first touches, not being able to consistently connect on a, a three-yard, four-yard, five-yard pass to an open teammate. I'm not talking about difficult things under pressure, stuff you should be able to do at 10 with your eyes closed. And it can't be done. And it wasn't a imbalance between the competition. The game ended up being a 1-1 tie. They were winning most of the game. They gave up a goal late, but I don't think they completed more than two passes in a row all game. I'm not sure they completed two passes in a row all game. And, you know, we're talking about kids going into high school next year, and no matter what their ultimate level could be as far as what they're capable of reaching, it just shouldn't be like that. And which is why I put a lot of it on the system, why I put a lot of it on us as coaches and, and as parents and as as uh, people who run clubs and, and, and the leagues. It just, it shouldn't be like that. I mean, it's a difficult sport, yes, but we do a terrible job of making sure you as players have the basic tools of the game to then expand on that if you have the ability to do so, to become a much better player. Okay? I mean, we do that in other sports. We do that in basketball and football and baseball and, and, and drill the fundamentals and make sure there's that foundation. And individual ball control, that comfort level you have with the ball at your feet to be able to manipulate it with all parts of the surface of your, both feet without thinking about it, that is the foundation of the game. I don't care if you're later going to be in a system where it's one touch, two touch. That ability to control that ball is the foundation of the game. It's the foundation of everything else about the game that can make you a successful player. Without it, you can't play. And Americans on a whole don't have it, and that's because we don't teach it. We don't give you the tools to develop it. That is why the U.S. men's national team can't complete a pass. That's why they can be an embarrassment against two blah teams headed into the World Cup. It's a disgrace. It really is. It's a disgrace to see that team play at that level in a country with this many soccer players. Individual ball control doesn't mean that you're going to be a great player. But you are not going to be a great player without it. You just are not. Okay? That's just the truth of the game. And it's it's frustrating to see us take five and six and seven-year-olds and put them out there and worry about tactics and make sure they're one touch and two touch when they can't they can't trap the ball. They can't complete a three-yard pass. They can't dribble, but we want them to look like Barcelona. It's nuts. It is absolute okay. I'm gonna Deep breath, settle down, okay? But I, I think you understand the, the point I'm making and, and where I'm getting. Uh, this is already getting a little long. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit and take it away from America. Let's talk about Brazil, okay? Let's talk about Ronaldo. By the way, the real Ronaldo. Uh, no offense to the current one, but 
Go to YouTube, look up the Brazilian Ronaldo, find some highlights, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Um, Ronaldinho, Roberto Carlos, Pele. That guy playing now gets hurt by the air all the time, right? I dare you to put the ball down and play against them one-on-one, -on -one, right? You will fall down. I mean, you won't just get beat. You will. They will twist your legs into pretzels, and you will fall down, and the screaming crowd is going to sing a song about you falling down, okay? And do you, do you know what the Brazilians have that we don't? They play. They play all the time. But more specifically, they play 1v1 all the time. Ever since they could walk and do a scissor around their little building blocks, they've got a ball at their feet. And when you play 1v1, you touch the ball all the time. Your touch gets better. Your ball control with all parts of your feet get better. Your moves get better. Your creativity gets better. Your confidence as a soccer player gets better. And that flows into everything else about the game. But look, what happens when you're out and you're playing 11 v 11 game or simply even in practice, the way that we practice nowadays, even from day one, right? You trap the ball, you get rid of the ball, you get bored because the ball's on the other side of the pitch for five minutes. You know, um, even the young kids wouldn't be picking grass if we had them in 1v1 play or 2v2 play because they wouldn't have the opportunity to because they'd have to be focused on the ball at all times, okay? Brazil has five World Cups because of all the 1v1 soccer they played growing up that they then put into the team game on the biggest stage. And while it's great to think big about the kind of player you want to be, when it comes to your development, it's better to think small. You, the ball. You, the ball. You, the ball. And then you can expand that to you, the ball, and opponent, and a patch of grass, or dirt, or even concrete. And play, and play, and play. Everything about the game comes easier when you focus on that. Um, go check out the March 16th. 2021 episode, I talk about my three favorite, three best 1v1 games for development. One, of course, is a nutmeg game. There's also a video of that on a YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and look at uh, the soccer specialist. And um, well, real quick, for those who don't know what it is, and I do this in a team setting too. I do it either with promotion relegation or simply a round robin tournament because you don't need a lot of space depending on the size age of your kids you can use a five yard square up to 10 yard at the most for goals you don't even need actual goals you can use socks you can use little cones you can put a, a ball on a cone and they have to hit the ball and here's and the reason we do that is you take away the um the ability to use flat out speed you play 1v1 you play to three if you nutmeg your opponent you get three points so if you're losing 2 nothing and you're not making your opponent, you just won the game. And what the restrictions do and what adding the, the scoring via nutmeg does, it is allows, it allows players to be creative. It allows players to have the freedom to be creative without fearing mistakes. I could never, it was so hard to ever get any of my players to just open up and be creative and attack 1v1 and not fear mistakes until I had them play this game because that was the point of the game. Right. So they didn't have to fear trying to nutmeg an opponent or unbalance them to get a shot because that's what they had to do to win the game. Does that make sense? So you've completely changed the mindset for you as a player, changed the focus for the player to 
They need to be creative. They need to take chances because that is how they win the game. Right? When they're playing regular soccer and the way we coach and the way it's perceived and everything, they're terrified of making mistakes. They're terrified of being creative because most likely if you're creative, you're going to make a mistake because it's going to be something that's a little more difficult to do. And then, boom, you're in trouble. All right. So it's actually getting really, really long. I had a couple other things I wanted to riff off a little bit, but I got a little carried away and a little upset with how we handle our player development in America. So for episode 100, I'm going to leave it there. And um, I do want to give everybody a shout out who listens, everybody who um, shares the podcast with others. Please go share it with your team parents, share it with your club, get players listening. Um, that's how it's growing. Uh, I appreciate everyone who in, in other Facebook groups, there might be a question. They answer it by talking about some of the things that I offer, which I think is fantastic. I really do appreciate it. Uh, I'm going to leave it there now for the 100th episode, and I will talk to you later.